Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we have a lot to get into. We're going to go game by game from this week as every home team took care of business. Uh, I don't think that continues tonight with a with a game that we'll get into as well. Monday Night Football, big game between the Giants and the Cowboys. But before we get into that, breaking down every game and what we saw this weekend, there are three head coaches that are under fire, and that's putting it nicely. The, it is it is disaster for all three of these head coaches. One of these head coaches didn't play this weekend. Otherwise, uh, probably would have been a little bit more of the conversation around him. So the two teams that lost this weekend are the New York Jets go on the road to Miami and lose a football game to a team that has people have joked about that they are tanking. Uh, they hadn't won a football game yet. It was not great, right? You go into Miami and, and you lose a football game. The other the other team being the Cleveland Browns going on the road to Denver and losing a football game to a quarterback that had never started a football game in the NFL. And the last one is Dan Quinn. And, and that's the coach that did not have a game this weekend but is one in seven and was had playoff expectations coming into this season. So I'm going to start with with Jake here. Jake, you get Dan Quinn, and and tell us when and and why you think he's going to get fired. Well, I'll start with Dan Quinn. I don't think he'll be the first of this bunch fired because uh, Arthur Blank is one of the classiest owners in football. If it happens, it's because of this. They're one in seven coming out of a bye. Matt Ryan hurt going into the bye, but they're at New Orleans at Carolina. Home for a Tampa team that could put up points with anybody. New Orleans again, Carolina again, San Francisco, Jacksonville. Do you see a win there? Not really. And then they play and then they play at Tampa to finish the year in week seventeen. I mean, that's I, their defense has been terrible, they're banged up, their offense has been a bit awful. Uh, they fired every coordinator on the staff last year for Dan Quinn to take over this defense. While I like Dan Quinn as a guy, I think he's done a decent job there. You're talking about a team that had expectations to win this division, to make the playoffs, to be a high-flying offense, and they've done none of that. They've had some injuries, but not a ton and not as much as, as a lot of other teams and not, not as many teams in the division. I mean, New Orleans just played five games with their backup quarterback and went 5-0. and So, I mean, my argument there is – I would say he's the, the top of this list, but I think the owner is that classy that I don't think he would do it during the season as bad as it gets. But if they lose four straight, New Orleans, Carolina, Tampa, New Orleans, I could see it happening. Yeah, I could I could see it happening too. I think the biggest thing here with, with Dan over the other two is I think the other two shouldn't have gotten the job, right? That's my argument more so with Freddie and Adam Gase is, I don't really think they were ever set up for success, whereas Dan Quinn has had success. These two kind of feel like a very similar situation as Steve Wilkes in Arizona last year, where it was very clear early on this coaching staff was not prepared, and that's the discussion around Freddie Kitchens and Adam Gase. Jamie, I'll let you take Adam Gase now, the 1-7 New York Jets, coming off a loss to a to a Miami Dolphins team that is literally tanking for a quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, I expect them to go in and lose this game. As you remember, I predicted on the Friday show that the Dolphins would not only cover but would win uh, because I think people have vastly overestimated the 
the give a shit level of this Jets team right now, and that's not just of the players. I'm talking more. Of that is them. well said, right there. Yeah. Uh, I, I was one of them apparently because I didn't pick them. You called that, but that is very well said. It's a disaster right now, uh, and it's, it's this is this goes back to when you have terrible culture mm-hmm. around your team that it just doesn't matter how much talent you have on the roster because the Jets have plenty of talent. Now they're banged up. They're banged up on defense. No CJ Mosley last couple weeks. You know, Darnold missing all that time. Not only hurt them in that time, but he doesn't look right yet. Uh, but look, this team is a disaster. We all know that Adam Gase is an incredibly abrasive coach that hasn't won anything to deserve to be as abrasive as he is. Uh, the current GM didn't hire him. So this whole mess, this whole situation has been a mess since the offseason where the former GM hired Gates, went through a free agency, then you fire him, you bring in Joe Douglas. He doesn't get to pick his head coach, and it's all, this whole thing's a disaster. But I don't think he's going to get fired midseason. I think there's, I mean, I think there's a chance he's still the coach there next year. Uh, but I also think it's more more than likely that this is an off season move. Maybe this is a mutually part way since nobody gets fired anymore yeah. in the off season. Uh, but maybe that's where we go with this. But this is clearly not working. This whole Adam Gay stuff was a fraud. He was this this offensive genius stuff. It's a fraud. He had two good years with Peyton Manning way back when. Has done absolutely nothing with several years of opportunity. Now with two franchises, it's time to move on and find somebody else because you do have a young quarterback that has shown signs. I know this year it's been troublesome, but has shown signs in his rookie year of you could build a franchise around him. Don't ruin him. No, like, he's regressed. Sam Darnold yes. has regressed this year instead of taking a step forward. And and that's something that a head coach is going to take some some criticism and deservedly so, especially when you're an offensive guy. Well, and that's the thing we talk about with both of the – with this case and with Dan Quinn – Teams are willing to cut you some slack if you if your team struggles in the area that you're, it's not your main discipline. You seem to get more criticism when you're a defensive coach and you've been like the Falcons where they haven't stopped anybody for two and a half seasons now. Uh, you know, when you're an offensive And you fired the coordinator to take over yourself. Yeah. I, when you're Adam Gage, you're supposed to be this genius offensive mind and you just run the same inside screen 17 times during the game and you don't score ever score. Like At, at some point, you get extra criticism for this is supposed to be your specialty. And you're still not being able to execute it. Uh, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I think the that there's a picture, and you can find it on social media where it is during the game. Right, the game is in progress, and Adam Gase is sitting on the bench, looking at the ground. He ha- he's looking at something, but he was called out for just this. It it's it just seems like it's completely. There's no communication. The team looks like like the give a shit mode. Like that's a perfect way to say it, Jamie. Like I don't know anybody on this team that it it looks like it's all meshing together. They just don't look like they're out there trying together. And and that's where you look at Miami that although people have been joking about Miami tanking or whatever, they're trying. They're playing hard. We talked about that the other day when we picked this, like on on Friday, like to to Brian Flores credit, the Dolphins, the players that are out there are playing for their futures and they're playing hard for that guy. The Jets aren't doing that. And that's, And, and and the next team we're talking about, I don't think is doing that. No, and that's the that's the tip of the cap to Brian Flores, and that's why I think it could potentially work when he gets his guy in there. Is the organization right from a GM? They're trading away assets from that standpoint. They're tanking, but on a week to week basis, the guys that are starting games are not tanking. They're trying. You can tell they're they're fighting week in and week out. And and good for Brian Flores. You saw him get a Gatorade bath for his first NFL victory as a head coach. Um, but I get Freddie Kitchens, right? Uh, that's my that's my head coach to discuss here. The two and six Browns go on the. They're now two and six. The two and five Browns went on the road to play 
Brandon Allen. Yeah, feel free to look that up, okay? Because I know most of you didn't know who the hell he was before this game where he was starting as quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Not only did Cleveland lose, but they lose. They lost. This defense handled this team. I know they got into it in some moments, but Denver was in control of this game for most of the football game. Freddie Kitchens and this staff look completely lost out on the field. They're getting outmatched. They're getting outcoached. Odell Beckham Jr., he looks lost, and he looks he's standing on the sideline at one point where Baker's completely on the other side. We talked about this. We were we we were concerned about it coming into this. There's a lot of personalities on this team, and is Freddie going to be able to handle all these expectations in Cleveland? That oh, by the way, they haven't had in 20 years, and the answer is no. It hasn't happened. Baker Mayfield has regressed. He looks lost. He looks like he has no confidence, and that's coming from somebody who, at points, was called overconfident. This team is has no chemistry. They're not playing together. You have players after the game tweeting at reporters, threatening their lives. I mean, that's that is and the, getting cut for it this morning. Yeah, that is the current state of the Cleveland Browns. That's what we're talking about. I cannot imagine that Freddie Kitchens is the head coach of this football team going going into next year. I just I can't I I can't imagine the the amount of criticism that they've taken and the expectations amongst this bunch of these three teams. The expectations were the highest for the Cleveland Browns. They have arguably the most talented roster of these three, and it's been ugly, guys. It hasn't been good, and I can't imagine that he gets. If they continue to lose, I can't imagine that he gets past Thanksgiving. I think this is going to be a one and done for for. I, I mean, let's re reanalyze last year: Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley, Greg Williams, to hire an offensive and defensive coordinator that don't go with the head coach. They fire the head coach, and now you got three guys trying to get the job: Freddie Kitchens, Greg Williams, and Haley. And then Haley's gone. And then Freddie does a pretty good job, but the staff that was there that helped him put all that together, he fired when he got the job. Hired all of his own guys on offense. Completely different staff than he did that with last year. Greg Williams gone. He's in New York. Steve Wilkes come in and run his defense. His very, very talented defense. And it's a whole new defensive staff that Freddie handpicked because he's the guy that, I guess, talked himself into the job better than Greg Williams and the other guys. Think about the names that were thrown around the offseason for this job, and they go with Freddie Kitchens late in the process. Um, I think he's done a decent job of handling the egos, minus guys going crazy yesterday and getting fired this morning for tweets, which is absurd and ridiculous. And they're still paying all those guys that I just forementioned and probably some guys on the staff before that because they they continue to fire everybody that's there. The only chance I think Freddie has of staying there is maybe winning the last three or four of the season in the last month if he's still the head coach. And the fact that the owner is still paying a bunch of guys from previous staffs, and they don't want to continue to do that. But it's the Browns, and you have this talent, and the owner's got a ton of money. But I don't know know who you go with, because this is going to be a really interesting offseason, because there's going to be five or six jobs like there always are. Who's up for them? Are we talking Lincoln Riley again? I mean, we're going to have that show later on, but like – if you're the Browns with this talented roster, you got to swing for the fences and get somebody that's proven. And so that's where this name comes up because he has entered the ring as somebody who would like to come back to coaching in this in the next upcoming season. 
a guy who's won a Super Bowl, a guy who's a proven winner, a guy who only missed the postseason one time as a head coach, and that's Mike McCarthy, right? That's that's the name that's been tossed around. Um, who you, we all thought was going to get the job because his relationship with Dorsey and the other guys in the front office there last year. I mean, it made sense. I I can't imagine why. I mean, I can't imagine why they this whole new age offense where you. By the way, that wasn't a four year career. That was a thirteen year career that you just talked about as a head coach. That's what I'm saying. I mean, at a certain point, you have to understand that the the consistency matters. the The ability to win in a tough division matters. Winning a Super Bowl matters. Being able to do that over a long period of time, it matters. And it matters that he has experience. And when I thought about this job and I thought about this team, my one concern was Freddie. And it doesn't mean that he can't be a head coach again. It just meant he was inexperienced. And this was a lot to handle from an expectation standpoint. And thus far, he hasn't been able to handle it. No. And look, there's this trend. It's not just in football. It's in society where we will step over known quality things to try to grab whatever the hot new item is. Yes. And because we, we, the chance that, that that lottery ticket, you know, m- might be the next innovation. In, and again, in, this, in the NFL context, it's been finding the Sean, next Sean McVay. Well, you know, as we have seen after a couple of years, sometimes, you know, it, the league catches back up to you. It doesn't mean Sean McVay is not a great coach, but it means that all of a sudden when your offense was head and shoulders above everybody else, it felt like now all of a sudden it can be stopped. Uh, Mike McCarthy should have gotten this job in the first place. Uh, you know, I don't know what fell through there. Maybe he wanted to take a little bit, you know, a little bit time away. Didn't I, I think Mike wanted a year off, and, and yeah. he's got kids in high school that I don't know that he wanted to move. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with Mike going. Let me take a step back. I'm going to get another job. Oh yeah, and look, and, and they, you know, here's the other thing: if Mike gets this job. Mike's not taking it without saying, "I'm hiring all my own guys. Wow. I'm not coming in here and keeping this assistant, that assistant, Steve Wilkes." Anybody like that, unless he just doesn't have a defense coordinator and he already knows Steve Wilk somehow, he's not taking this job. So that goes back to what I was saying about dollars and cents. This owner's paying a lot of dudes that don't even work there anymore. Hey, do, do you want to pay another 20 to not work there again next year? Whew. You might have to. And, and the, thing that, uh, the thing I look at that's interesting to me is they've got the Bills at home this week, and then they turn around quickly at ho- have a home game Thursday night, two weeks from now, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then they have 10 days before the Dolphins game. If you lose both these games, you lose the Bills and you lose in prime time to the Steelers, maybe they make the move then. You hi- Name whatever interim coach you want to name. But then at that point, you behind the scenes, you've got to – you cut a deal with Mike McCarthy. Let him start talking to people. Let him start building his staff informally before the season ends so you can kind of get a jump on this process so you're not caught scrambling like it felt like they were at the end of last offseason. That's a great point, Jamie. We talked about last year with some of these firings. This There's only so many really good assistant coaches. And if there's going to be five or six openings, you go grab the best O-line guy you can get. You grab, you know what I mean? You grab everybody. So if you're going to make this this deal, you don't wait till late and end up with a staff that the Cardinals did two years ago when they wait till last, right? If you're going to do it, that's a great point. I mean, let him start putting his team together and start looking at staffs that might get fired. I think the scenario that Jamie just played out, right, if they lose to the Bills and then they lose to the Steelers, I think that this move – will be made and it should be made right and I think that the the reasoning is exactly what Jamie said if you're gonna make this move you make it now you make it fast and you go get the best guy available and that's Mike who's the interim who's the interim coach in the meantime Steve Wilkes probably yes yeah I mean who cares you're gonna fire everybody at the end of the year so I mean it's 
it's disaster mode already over there, right? Like it's 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 already hit that, that point of, of complete disaster. But this is a topic we will we will get back into. Obviously, pay attention to that that kind of that Thanksgiving mark because that's usually where a lo- that that's the yeah. kind of the time frame where this stuff starts to happen. Um, Thanksgiving is yeah, and that's when all the college stuff goes off. Although Taggart got fired yesterday, so yeah. I mean that's when everything starts to move, yeah. and, and somebody will get antsy by that point. Yeah, somebody will get antsy, and I think it'll be a little later here just because of the date of Thanksgiving and the uh, unfortunate start for the teams that we just talked about. All right, let's get into these slate of games. We'll start off uh, with the Chicago Bears going on the road to play the Philadelphia Eagles. They lose twenty-two to fourteen in this one. Uh, the offense did absolutely nothing in the first half. The second half, they did actually less than nothing in the first. Yeah, half. they did less. They yeah. had negative yards. Uh, Trubisky looked better in moments. Had a couple of big throws, a couple of big drops from Allen Robinson. Um, Taylor Gabriel dropped one. Tariq Cohen dropped one. Uh, but listen, the 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 Bears made it interesting at the end. But the Eagles took care of business at home. Jake, what were your takeaways here? My takeaways are that the Packers had nine yards of offense at halftime and they weren't the worst offense of the week in the first half because the Bears had negative one. They got serious issues on that. Now, we said Montgomery wasn't going to have a big day. He had a big fantasy day. He didn't have a big day other than that big catch late. But the kid looks phenomenal. He needs to be out there for all three downs and make Cohen just a slot guy or whatever he is. Montgomery's their best offensive player, I think, right now. Uh, Trubisky's got issues. Played better in the second half. Made some throws. The one throw that you're talking about, the Cohen drop, was they finally rolled him out and got him on the move, and he still throws better on the move than he does in the pocket because I don't think he thinks as much. Their defense is out there too much. We talked about that. And Philly's getting healthy. Now, Deshaun Jackson didn't have a big day, but him being out there opened everything up for Ertz, who had a monster day against this defense. And you talked about the other day, Paige. So did Jamie. The Chicago defense hasn't been great against the tight end. Ertz should have a big day. He had a monster day. Uh, Philly's solid. If Philly gets fully healthy, they're going to be okay. But this Bears team has serious issues. We're talking about Atlanta having expectations to win the division. Everybody thought Chicago would win the division. Uh, I didn't, but I didn't think they'd be this bad. You have a quarterback controversy. You got Mahomes and Deshaun Watson battling it out for the MVP while Trubisky was traded up to take over those guys in the same draft. The sky has fallen in Chicago again. I, I don't know where they go from here. I, I liked how they battled the second half. I'll give them that. I mean, they came back. They kept fighting. But they got serious issues. Yeah, they got issues, and it's it's going to be obviously a lot surrounded on on quarterback play and what they're going to do moving forward. From a fantasy perspective, it's nice to see David Montgomery get in the end zone a couple times, save his day. Jamie, what were your takeaways? I mean, my biggest takeaway is that, thank God, Zach Ertz had that big day. Uh, if you've been a Zach Ertz owner... Yeah, it's been, been tough. I mean, we talked about that on the show last week. He was oscillating between number one and number two in terms of total targets and tight ends, but it just the productivity wasn't there because he wasn't getting in the end zone at all. Uh, and had that huge game here where... The Bears have been vulnerable against tight ends this year. I know it's something that last year they were stupid good against them. This year it's been the opposite. Uh, you know, Carson went an okay day for fantasy-wise. Like, he looked a much better NFL day than he did fantasy day. Uh, again, Jordan Howard, you got to give him a lot of credit. Everybody, you know, he, he's, again, not the same exact same player or same age or anything like that, but – He's giving me like those Frank Gore vibes from yeah. earlier in his career where everybody wants to find a reason for Jordan Howard to not be a thing, but he continues to run hard and he continues to be very productive and he continues to always get what is blocked for him and is and is going to have a very effective career doing that. And he has done that in Philadelphia. He is still clearly the number one there. I know to keep reminding people that want Miles Sanders to be a thing, he will be eventually, 
in some capacity, and they're, and they're using him in more creative ways. But Jordan Howard is still the lead back there in Philadelphia. For Chicago, look, it, it was a bad game for Allen Robinson, but he's still somebody that you're playing going forward. But I don't think any other Bear is a must-start on a week-to-week basis going forward. Montgomery is usually going to be in a, in a flex territory because he's still going to split time. But, uh, yeah, it's – He shouldn't. He shouldn't, no. No, but, but that's, he is. Yeah, he is. And it's – I don't know. Like, look, I know Trubisky deserves a lot of blame, and he absolutely does. But Matt Nagy deserves his fair share too because his play calling has been unbelievably uncreative or so unbelievably stupidly creative that it, like, makes no sense. Like, he, he hasn't found this happy medium, which, again, goes back to the league adjusting to you. And it's, yeah. you, you know – Did you guys watch the Did you guys watch the TV version of this? You guys watch this? I know Paige did. Yeah, I watched the whole I, – my, my biggest argument with him is something that you already brought up, Jake, and it's Trubisky looks significantly better when he rolls out and throws on the run. He hasn't run the ball at all this year. It's where he's most comfortable. And when they started to roll him out, he started to make throws and look comfortable again. And it, and he looks like he's – I don't know if it's he's overthinking it when he's when he's not doing that or, or what the situation is, but I don't understand why it takes that long. You watch it not work for an entire half, and you wait until the second half to even start to, to open the playbook up in that way. Just I can't be sitting there watching TV as a fan of this team, and Matt Nagy doesn't know that. I mean, that's the frustrating part when you're watching this, and it's not only – me being a fan of this team, I sit here and I talk to people. B-Train hit me up, Bertram Berry, uh, one of the friends of our show, and he goes, this is more on Matt Nagy than it is Trubisky. And he said, he sent me that. Here's my issue with it as my girl, the sports page, being a diehard Chicagoan and Bears fan. Why did you hire Nagy? That's because he's an innovative Andy Reid disciple that's good with quarterbacks, and it looked pretty good last year. If you watch the TV version and listen to it, there was a point where the broadcasters talked about Nagy didn't know what to do with Trubisky, so he called Andy Reid, and Andy said, watch the TV version together so you can do his body language and see Trubisky's body language. If you hired him because of those things, you don't let that get out if you called Andy Reid. That makes you look completely incompetent. That's like, as a de facto Bears supporter because of you, like that pisses me off to be a Bears fan. That would have drove me nuts if I'd have heard that on the, on the broadcast. If I'm a Bears fan. Uh, it did drive me nuts. I was upset. And as as somebody who knows how this team operates, and listen, there's a former head coach that's sitting on the staff and don't think I haven't thought about it, right? Chuck Pagano is sitting there as the defensive coordinator, and I'm thinking to myself, hmm, this would be interesting if they – the coach of the year last year, right, and Matt Nagy, I don't think they're going to move away from Matt, but he does need to make different decisions moving forward because – this isn't all – I'm not saying, listen, Trubisky has definitely not taken the steps he needs to, but he also has not been put in the place to have success for who he is as a quarterback. He is not a pocket passer. It's never going to happen. Stop trying to make it happen. He has to run. That's who he is. That just, if, you're, if, if he's going to have success at all, they're going to salvage this whole situation. They have to let him be who he is. And if they don't, then they're going to have to move on and – and let him have a fresh start somewhere else. Uh, but before this turns into a completed rant uh, Bears podcast, let's move on to the London game, which John Watson had a Air Jordan moment where, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It is like looking at the statue of Michael Jordan outside the UC. Uh, that is what he did. Uh, he said, like Mike, and he retweeted it, and he said, it's my MJ moment. I loved it. We all know the Dabo Sweeney quote about, uh, 
uh, about the, his quote about passing on Deshaun Watson. Trust me, in Chicago, that quote is ringing everywhere. They are playing that quote absolutely everywhere as this whole situation with Trubisky has started to to take fold. But the Texans get a big victory, 26-3. to Jake, what were your takeaways here? Big victory. I, I said going in, I picked the Jaguars. I liked what they were doing. They were running it. They were play action off of that. Their defense was playing really solid. Texans defense hadn't done anything. Now Minshew threw for over 300, but he had two picks. Uh, this was a domination by this Houston team, which so Jekyll and Hyde and hard to figure out who they are on a week-to-week basis. They drive me nuts. Uh, but Deshaun Watson's the leader of it. So you got to like them more than the Jekyll and Hyde part. you got to start just going, okay, Deshaun Watson, I'm going to just start going with him. Like, I don't have to look at the rest of the team. He gives them that much of a boost. The dude is awesome. The moment was awesome that you're talking about. But he's just, man, the guy just makes plays. I, I really hope he stays healthy for a long time because, God, he's fun to watch. Yeah, and you got to give a lot of credit to Carlos Hyde, too, who's looked a yes. lot better in the last month or so than I thought, and maybe that I even give him credit for. I mean, he has 160 rushing yards in this game, really allowed the Texans to have some balance. Because, again, we've talked about what could hold the Texans back, and we thought in the in the preseason was – Shaky defense in his injury history, and they can't run the ball. And when you start to have multiple areas of your team that have are that deficient, it becomes really tough for you to win and win enough to start winning divisions and winning playoff games. And they have had a lot more balance at times this year. Um, it, from a fantasy perspective, it's interesting because – Give that coaching staff credit for that exact point too. But Bill O'Brien's done a hell of a job you know, piecemealing this thing together. There's no GM there. I mean, he's, I think he's done a phenomenal job. That's, that's to your point. And that's a very, very good point. They have done a great job, and I think a lot of that's their coaching staff. Yeah, and from a fantasy perspective, like it's it's weird to see again. We're seeing more of these like new Hopkins lines, eight for forty eight, and again gets in the end zone. So it's a good fantasy day, especially in PPR formats. But kind of weird to see. Um, I don't know like whose pet Kiki QT stepped on, but I guess he doesn't get to play anymore. Uh, so if you for whatever reason we're still holding on to him in deep leagues, cut him. Like I don't even know if he's yeah. even coming on the field. He played like zero snaps last week. I don't even know if he was on the field in this game. Uh, from the Jag standpoint. Uh, everybody was kind of blah. Like, I, I think we're starting to kind of see Gardner Minshew come back down to earth a little bit, as to be expected. Yeah, it should have been a big chart day, wasn't No, and he's had a couple of rough weeks in a row. You know, I thought Conley could have an interesting game. He only had two for 32 with no Westbrook out there. You know, Ryquel Armstead got involved in the passing game, but that hasn't been a trend. I don't think that's much to see. Fournette didn't run well. Just a bad game overall for Jacksonville. Yeah, the London game. London. Yeah, London tends to be kind of a weird place, but – didn't become a weird place for that Texans team that looked like they were gelling and, and moving the ball well. And as we said, Deshaun Watson having another big game and go get your money, man. Talking about the Popeye sandwich after the, uh, in his post game interview. Love. So love it. I actually got them yesterday because I think I was I oh. my first time trying them. They are phenomenal. Okay. Not a sponsor of the show. It's spectacular. It is spe- like, it, they are spectacular. Yeah. Please yeah. sponsor the show. Popeyes. We're here. Uh, we'll be just as, just as willing to, to go for the sponsors as Deshaun Watson was in his post game interview. Loved it. Uh, the Buffalo Bills get a victory at home 24 to nine against the Washington Redskins. Uh, guys, any takeaways here? The Redskins are another football team that are just, you know, just bad. They already fired their coach, right? That was the first head coach to, to lose his job. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is more of Dwayne Haskins. Uh, good luck with that moving forward in Washington. Jake, what was your takeaway here? I picked this one 27-10, so it was pretty close. I mean, the Bills are solid. Their defense is solid. Josh Allen had a nice day. They did what they needed to do, and the Redskins are just bad. I mean, Dwayne Haskins is not ready to play, and if they're going to continue to throw him out there the rest of the season, it's going to get worse. Um, I, I, I hate his body language. 
I don't like the way he's playing. It's just, I don't know. They got issue, <clears throat> issues there. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that situation moving forward. It's going to be really interesting to see who the coach is and who wants that job moving forward. Uh, but the Bills are solid. They're going to make the playoffs unless they just completely implode. And they've played nobody. Their schedule has just been ridiculous. I mean, they're playing the same schedule as the Patriots, which I said the other day, and they're, they're getting W's. Give them credit. They're doing enough to win. That's about all I can say from this one. Yeah, it counts still, but uh, we'll get into that <coughs> Patriots game later but, on. But, uh, and, like, the next three games on, on tap for the Bills, at Cleveland, at Miami, home Broncos. So, LOL. I mean, those, those could easily be. That's my point. Like, they're gonna, they might be the first team to lock the playoffs. Ridiculous. Uh, Jamie, your takeaway. My big takeaway was really nice to see Devin Singletary get a true run as the lead back here. 20 carries in this game, got three catches, looked really effective. It's going to be somewhat of a split for the rest of the season because Frank Gore has done enough. I mean, he was bad in this game. but uh, I mean, and he was bad in this game. If you watch that sequence, first and goal from the one runs in the line. Second and goal from the one runs in the line. Third and goal from the one runs into his own guy. Uh, and then they handed him the ball fourth and one and ran into his own. I mean, it was a rough game for Frank Gore. But uh, I'm glad to see Devin Singletary getting a, a bigger run. And apparently, uh, Adrian Peterson's not a human being. I have no idea what that dude is made of. Another 100-yard game from him. I, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm we, ne- He's never going to retire. He's going to be running for 75 yards on 15 carries when he's 60. I mean, we talk about Tom Brady and how impressive it is what he's done. But considering the shelf life of running backs, I think it's equally impressive what Adrian Peterson has been able to do. Especially Absolutely. The type of teams that he's on. right? And the injuries he's had to sustain. That's too. exactly right. Tom Brady hasn't had the same level of injuries. Running back is a position that post 30, most people think, you know, you're, you're just done, not usable. Both guys, Frank Gore, obviously, who's, who's shown that he can have durability, but Adrian Peterson, not, not just playing, but being a hundred yard rusher. I mean, come on. Against that defense with that quarterback. I mean, come on. A, AP is, he's, he's a, he's a freak of nature. I know Jake's Jake and I have both spent significant amount of time with him because he was here in, in Arizona just standing next to him, watching him, I'm like, you're just as a physical specimen, right? He's just like... And I've said it before, if anybody out there gets to meet him, you better come in for the real thing on the handshake or you're going to go to your knees. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> the dude, the that's dude, true. Like, you understand his running style when you shake his hand. I'll say, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's... Uh, he's, he he's, is, he's fantasy relevant as a, as a flex play going forward. I mean, we're going to start to get outside of bye week, so he's probably going to be more of a bench guy, but... He's somebody that if you're in a pinch, like, I mean, I had, I had some weird injuries or I wasn't sure if James White was going to play. I had to start J.D. McKissick. If I had a guy like Adrian Peterson, that's a guy I would stick in my lineup. So someone to kind of keep an eye on going forward. All right. The uh, next game, the Carolina Panthers bounce back at home after a tough, tough game last week. 30-20, to 20, they get this victory uh, against the Tennessee Titans. Nice to see. Listen, Christian McCaffrey's Christian McCaffrey. I know he has entered himself and should deservedly so into that MVP conversation um, <clears throat> with Russell Wilson, who had another unbelievable performance. Um, but they get the victory, thirty to twenty. Uh, Jake, your takeaway here? Yeah, I picked this from twenty-seven, twenty-three. I thought it'd be a little bit closer. <clears throat> I finished just thirty to twenty, but it wasn't this close. Uh, Tennessee scores late. And kind of makes a little bit of a game of it, but not really. I mean, this was a this was a dusting. Carolina looked solid. Kyle Allen bounced back, but it was really just McCaffrey. Uh, and they started a little slow, but they got it going. Samuel, a decent day, more decent day. Like it was, uh, it was a really good performance. Hey, I, we watched after watching Tennessee live. I said I, I wasn't a big believer. They're okay. I thought my my preseason prediction on them was pretty spot on after watching them play live. But Carolina is better than I thought. 
I mean, that, that is a solid football team all the way around. Ron Rivera always seems to put this type of team on the field. Year after year, they are more solid than you think they're going to be. And it was another really, really good performance for them. Yeah, absolutely it was. And I was thinking the same thing with Ron Rivera, where, you know, we always want to predict some of these Carolina teams to finish with six or seven wins, and they somehow find a way to be in that playoff conversation, and even in this case, a divisional conversation. Look, look, McCaffrey's a freak. Like, he's just, yeah. he's clearly the best fantasy player in the world right now. It's not even close. And uh, with all due respect to Dalvin Cook, who's number two, uh, it's Christian McCaffrey, who has another monster game. On the Titans side of things, I was glad to see A.J. Brown with a little bit of a bounce-back game. He got it late. He was he only had a couple catches early, but finishes with four for 81. Derrick Henry gets in the end zone twice, both in the passing and, and uh, running game there. But, you know, from a fantasy perspective, Ryan Tannehill is an interesting play next week. Uh, he gets the Kansas City. He's been – I think he has like a 19-19 and 23-point performance in his last three games. So somebody to kind of keep an eye on if you're QB needy, again, with six teams on by next week. But – other than that, uh, we talked about the Cam Newton stuff. I don't think he's playing this year. I think he's probably playing. No, nah, he's going on IR. Yeah. So the I- Kyle Allen has done way too much to even mess up your locker room or anything else at this point. They have to put him on IR and just end this nonsense to the offseason. All right. Uh, next next game we're going to talk about here fits our shtick. Our shtick continues, and that is Kirk Cousins cannot beat teams above 500. The Minnesota Vikings take a big old L in Kansas City to Matt Moore. Uh, probably the most terrifying moment of my weekend was watching Patrick Mahomes run into that scrum after this victory, and I'm looking up to the sky going, please, dear God, nothing happened here. Uh, nice to see Mahomes felt comfortable running around, but I'm sure Chiefs fans collectively held their breath as he ran out to celebrate that last second field goal. Uh, Chiefs really needed a victory here, guys. We talked about this. They had lost three three at home, did not want to make it a fourth at home, and they get a big, big win here, 26-23 over the Vikings. Jake, your takeaway. It's a bad loss for the Vikings. I mean, look, I, I am on the bandwagon, on the train, as I said, standing next to the conductor. But, man, I'm coming around with you guys on this Kirk Cousins thing. I mean, from a fantasy day, he was okay. But this is a bad loss. I mean, Matt Moore, you got to give a ton of credit to. Andy Reid is a hell of a damn coach. I mean, Matt Moore, Matt Moore comes out, hits Tyree Kill, it's 7-0, boom, off the bat. And you're like, wow, Minnesota's vaunted defense, who played good late. I mean, they settled in. This is a bad loss. You you had this game right where you needed, and you couldn't stop him. You give up a 91-yard touchdown to Damian Williams. Hell of a job for Kansas City. I mean, really, my takeaway is Andy Reid is damn good and that I'm coming around on the Kirk Cousins thing when it matters because late when it mattered, he couldn't get it done. And it, it was there to get, to be done. Matt Moore got it done. Cousins didn't get it done. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a weird game for Minnesota. Adam Thielen re-injures his – it was a hamstring, I believe yeah. it was, early in the game. Yeah, um, first drive. Stephon Diggs, I don't know, was sitting in the stands or something. I don't know where he was today or, yeah, Sunday. But, you know, he had – it was a it was just a weird game for Minnesota. But I want to talk about the Kansas City thing because I think there's some interesting points here. A, obviously, Andy Reid scheming up these things for Matt Moore is, is amazing. And it shows what you can do with great coaching that knows how to use its players and use your system. But – there are a couple of things I want to point out. One that I know he's not going to be the player people thought pretended he was going to be after week one, but the last couple of weeks of solid games for Sammy Watkins is getting a lot of targets. He's putting himself in that wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two territory again. Looking like he's finally healthy enough to do it, right? Yeah. And look, I don't expect these 20 or 30 point games, but seven for 63, you know, in a half PPR format, that's almost 10 points. Like that's, I think that's a reasonable amount that you can expect going forward. Probably gets bumped up a little bit when Patrick Mahomes comes back, but you know, he's going to be in that nine to 12 point range. 
Damian Williams with the longest run of the season at 91 yards. Uh, they again, the backfield I still want no part of. I know Damian Williams had this huge game today, but like, eh, I, I don't, I don't like it going forward. The one thing I want to keep in mind, though, when I think from a football perspective, that Kansas City's defense has been a little bit better the last mm-hmm. been a lot better the last couple weeks they, yeah. to stop this stop the run against this team. Yeah. And that is the biggest key. If you're talk, talking about from a football perspective of trying to go and win the Super Bowl or going into New England or going into Baltimore or whatever you want to talk about for getting into the Super Bowl, getting to the Super Bowl and winning it, they're going to need that defense to just not be horrible. Yeah. And they have been a lot better than not horrible lately. And if that continues for the rest of the season, it puts the Chiefs, assuming Mahomes comes back fully healthy, right back into the equation of Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. I'm going to jump on the, the Chris Jones to get paid bandwagon right now. The most underrated defensive lineman in the league, maybe other than Fletcher Cox, deserves to get paid. He's their best defensive player, and pay this man and do not let him leave town. Regardless of who else has to get cut, Mahomes is going to get paid. Chris Jones deserves to get paid on his defense. Yeah, it's been nice to see that defense kind of rally. I kind of expected that, as especially after Mahomes went down, them kind of understanding uh, you've even seen, if you follow Tyron Matthew on social media, a little bit more understanding of, hey, this is on us because our guy is down and we need to rally. And you've seen that a little more. It happened for New Orleans when their guy went down and they had to rally around Teddy and know that they had to play much better without Drew Brees. They've been much better. Not 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 excellent, but they just have to be not terrible, right? Yes. Like they just have to be mediocre if Mahomes is playing. And they've been better than that. Exactly, exactly, and that's that's huge. And we gave Andy Reid a lot of credit, which he deserves in this game. But Matt Moore, if you watch this game, made plays. Absolutely, no. Pocket breaks down. He moves up. He hits Tyree Kill for like four big throws late, like in the fourth quarter. He won. He made the plays to win this game, where Kirk Cousins couldn't. It's really the storyline of this game. It's a very close game all the way around. Matt Moore played better than Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that that especially when it mattered. When it mattered, especially down the stretch. Correct especially when it mattered down the stretch. All right, the Miami Dolphins get a victory 26-18 to against the New York Jets. We talked about this a little bit at the top of the podcast, but listen, the Miami Dolphins get their first victory uh, as somebody who was needing to p- play uh, somebody with people on their bench. Uh, Preston Williams came in clutch for me in this game, which was awesome. Uh, Jake, what was your takeaway here other than Adam Gase and company in New York are in a, in a lot of shit right now? Yeah, we, we, we talked – just awful. I'm not even going to talk about the game or them. We talked about that. I was high on Jamison Crowder, higher than most people, to the point where I picked him up for Shelby and benched him at the last minute for Melvin Gordon. So thank God Melvin Gordon got 25 and a half because Jamison Crowder had 23 points at halftime. Didn't do anything after that. But he's still a part of this offense. And there's still somebody, as Jamie was talking about, in deep leagues or you're looking at somebody on your bench with, with a couple bye weeks coming up. He still get a lot of targets. I mean, that that was nice to see because I'm I'm higher on him than most people, especially playing in the slot when their offensive line is playing this bad. But other than that, the Dolphins played harder than the Jets and got a win. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Jamison Crowder is probably somebody you're considering in a flex spot every single week now. I mean, he's getting a ton of targets, and that this is no fluke. Uh, look, Le'Veon Bell didn't have as big a game as I think Le'Veon Bell owners were hoping for, but I mean, he was used plenty. Um, Chris Herndon was active, but was not supposed to. They didn't have enough players that were healthy, so they had to activate Chris Herndon and not play him. Like, it was just a weird scenario there. Uh, but whoever the tight end is, you know, Griffin had six for 50 in this game. Whoever the starting tight end is, is going to put up points and is going to be top 12 fantasy tight end value for you going forward. So keep an eye on that because both guys I've seen on waivers. From Miami side of things, again, Preston Williams, big game. He's going for MRI today, so kind of watch out uh, on him. Devontae Parker gets in the end zone again. 
those two guys are fantasy relevant. I mean, I, the Miami Dolphins are the who's who of like wide receiver threes. Preston Williams, <laughs> Devontae Parker, yeah. Alan Hearns, Albert Wilson. Like they have all these like just a bunch of okay guys there. Uh, but, uh, but but Fitzmagic can make it happen, baby. He's making them all relevant. He was one of my deep sleepers this week for uh, full-time fantasy. He was the guy I picked for DFS, actually, because I wanted to save some money. Uh, he had a big game here. Look, he's gonna ha- he's gonna pop up here and there going forward. He's not somebody you're considering in single quarterback formats, but no, there might be certain is. weeks where a DFS value is you know I want to spend it elsewhere. Uh, none of the running backs did anything in this game for Miami. I, I don't think you're gonna feel confident or want to start either Walton or Balage going forward. I'm not even sure you really need to own either one to be perfectly honest with you. So, kind of leave that to somebody else. All right, the Pittsburgh Steelers get a big victory at home. They are now four and four in their. Uh, it's funny because we look at the the Cleveland Browns at two and six, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, who without their leader and longtime quarterback, have weaseled their way into a four and four uh, record and get a big victory against a good Indianapolis Colts team. The thing here, obviously, Jacoby Brissett goes down in this football game. Uh, we'll obviously stay tuned and pay attention to that. But Hoyer played a pretty good game, uh, was able to come in and, and make some throws and make this a very interesting game down the stretch. Steelers get the victory, though, 26-24. What are your thoughts on this one, Jake? I'm going to say this with a tear in my eye because the, there's an end of an era coming. And the goat of all goats, Adam Vinatieri, I love you. You had 51-yarder to win the game last week after you, you missed some. You got a terrible hold. The laces were in, but you're the greatest of all time. A 41-yard game winner. The Colts won this game with Brissett going out. Hoyer played good. Minka Fitzpatrick, another phenomenal game. Touchdown, 91-yard interception, whatever it was. It's time to move on from Adam Vinatieri, as much as it pains me to say. I love him. He's the greatest of all time. Any position, it's done. Like, it, it looks... Bad. And even though there was a 51-yard game winner last week, like I said, against the Broncos, you have to make this kick. You're, it, it just it pains me to say the Colts should have won this game. With all that going on, they played really good. They are well coached. The team played good. Hoyer threw a bad pick into cover two. Make a fetch Patrick. They, they changed the defense, like I said. Um, and give the Steelers a bunch of credit. I mean, their offense is playing. Mason Rudolph is playing exactly what they're asking him to do on offense. Connor was out. They did enough to win the game, but they really didn't. I mean, this came down to the Colts late, went down and got within range and missed a field goal. Yeah, I mean, better two better kicks men in Barry, they're seven and one this year. I mean yeah. that, that that's it's it's a I know it's not that simple, but sometimes it is. But uh it is. I have a lot of thoughts on this game because there's a lot of interesting points. Uh look, obviously we don't know what's happening with Brissett yet. Uh Brian Hoyer played quite admirably uh in his place there. The one, the one thing I keep a look on for the wide receivers with T.Y. out, you're never going to feel confident starting any of these guys. But they made a concerted effort both in the passing game and in the running game to get Paris Campbell involved. They, yes, they, they made an effort. So we got eight touches in this game, three carries in the backfield. We got five for 53 in the passing game. Again, I don't think you're going to start him, but just somebody to kind of keep an eye on. Same thing with Zach Pascal with five for 76 in the touchdown. If you're going to start a Colts wide receiver while T.Y. is out, he is the guy. But again, you're never going to feel really confident about it. Uh, keep an eye that guy that's come on the last couple of weeks, Jack Doyle. Mm-hmm. He's, he's starting yeah. to kind of go up there and tight end is a disaster and it's going to be for the rest of the season. So if you're desperate, he's someone to keep an eye on. Um, on the Pittsburgh side of things, there was no greater disparity between 
how good of a fantasy day somebody had with how bad of an actual football day they had than Jalen Samuels. Yes. Who was terrible in this football game. Just was brutal. Uh, but got 13 catches for 73 yards. So, I mean, fantasy god this week. But uh, had a brutal fumble late. I, I don't believe he ever made somebody miss at any point in this football game. Um, Didn't look yeah. healthy. It's like they forced him back because they had they so many injuries. nobody else. Uh, Trey Edmonds had a big run in that game. Again, as, if Connor misses time, Edmonds is going to get some carries in these games. Uh, that You know, I was hoping for a bigger game from Juju. Vance McDonald gets in the end zone. Look, the Steelers' offense, aside from James Conner, there's really not anybody you really want to attach yourself to. I mean, Juju's probably a wide receiver too most weeks. But, look, Mason Rudolph just isn't anything special. He's doing no. enough right now, but he's nothing special. So they're not going to put up the types of numbers you normally associate with Pittsburgh. But their fantasy defense continues to perform, by the way. I was going to say, he's doing enough slash his defense is scoring in points, and Minka Fitzpatrick seems to have an interception nearly every game. Uh, that was a nice return he had there in that football game. That's a huge disparity, too, between actual defense and yes, fantasy defense. 100%. They make like, impact plays. They don't stop everybody, but they yeah. make impact plays. Yes, which is good for, for fantasy uh, in real life, but also when you look at what they can do and get stops, they aren't doing that regularly, which is what you need from a real NFL defense. All right, the Oakland Raiders get a victory 31-24 to against the Detroit Lions. If you watch this game at the end, some frustration there with the play calling from Matt Patricia for the Lions. They're down there. They looked like they could get at least a couple of different chances. Uh, their last play call, none of their top-tier wide receivers are in the game. It doesn't make any sense. They got, took a lot of heat for that. Um, but listen, Oakland did enough to get this to get this victory, and the NFC North took an L across the entire division. Jake, what was your takeaway here? That's a great point on that last play. It was like, it doesn't work anywhere other than New England, right? So all these guys continue to try to do this stuff that Belichick does with Vrabel faking the field goal last week that should have cost him the game and doesn't. And then like this play with Stafford as your quarterback and those guys who had a solid day. Like you don't try to do this trickeration crap on fourth and one with nine seconds left to tie the game. My takeaway is that the Raiders are better than everybody thought they were. I've said all year they're a lot better than they were last year. Their secondary is beat up. But man, they are playing... They do what they do well, as good as anybody in the league. They run it solid. They play action off of it. Carr has been really, really consistent, very accurate. They're do they're they're good. Like good enough. They're four and four. They've won some games they shouldn't win, but they're so much better than they've been. Like they're well coached and they're doing a really good job. I mean, I know Jamie still hates them and is down on them. They're they're solid. And Detroit is Detroit. They're, they look like they always look. They should be better than they are. They're now 3-4-1. and one. This was a bad loss for them. They, they, they're better than the Raiders. They should have went in and won this game. They didn't. The Raiders dominated this game. Yeah, really. I mean, I, I've looked the last few weeks. I've been incredibly impressed by what the Raiders have done on offense. They're, they're now to the point where they're going to put up points on anybody regardless, and you're going to have to find a way to outscore them when you play them. Uh, I still think they're an eight-win team at best, but yeah. uh, they're still. Yeah, but that's a hell of a year. I mean, they go eight and eight. I mean, for considering the players that they moved, again, part of the, the issue with Gruden is the players that they, they've let leave or traded away. But look, Derek Carr's been very interesting. Like, he's, again, in, in not in, there's certain weeks where he's been in the QB1 bottom part, but QB1 conversation. Uh, you know, there's never a lot of consistency there. You're never sure what the touchdowns are going to be like, but he has played pretty well. Josh Jacobs is really coming into his own. They're really starting. If those of you that were patient in the first half of the season and listened to Jake say, hey, you know, wait. Jacobs is going to be a guy. He's becoming the centerpiece of that offense. It looks really good in this game. 
Um, you know, Renfro caught a touchdown. Tyra Williams had exactly three catches, but he didn't have a touchdown. <laughs> Tyra Williams, it's illegal for him to get more than three catches, apparently. He will get exactly three every week. Not a big game for Waller, which was disappointing, but, you know, that's going to happen sometimes. On Detroit side of things, huge days for Galladay and Marvin Jones. Uh, weekday for Amendola kind of sucks. I know a lot of people started him, myself included, this week. He's going to be a little bit inconsistent. He's going to be a boomer bust type of guy. Backfield, uh, still a complete mess. So I think it's it's safe to drop Ty Johnson now. Uh, J.D. McKissick got some play there, got gets, catches a touchdown late. Uh, you don't have to own any of these guys uh, in the Lions' backfield because it's just a, it's just going to be a nightmare uh, for fantasy owners until Carryon Johnson comes back. Uh, this isn't a biased. Uh, I know people will say it's biased, but this was the best game of the weekend: the Seattle Seahawks and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. From an entertainment perspective, the back and forth, the going to overtime, and also. Just watching Russell Wilson and what he's doing uh, throws five touchdowns in this game. Uh, the Bucks doing their very best. Uh-huh. As I said, coming into this game, Bruce plays well, has always played well in Seattle, one of the toughest places to play. He always goes up there and schemes it up. This was a very good performance from from Jameis and company. They did they did their best in this game. They go to overtime, take a loss, but the headline here is Russell Wilson continues his MVP conversation by throwing five touchdowns. And one of the things we questioned coming into the season was that connection that he had had with Doug Baldwin for so long and whether or not Tyler Lockett would be able to come in. Tyler Lockett has made some of the most unbelievable catches and Russell Wilson has put the ball just absolutely on the money this year. It's been it's been really fun to watch those two because this is a different position for Tyler Lockett this year than it has been in years past. Jake, your takeaways on this one. Uh, Russell Wilson's the MVP. 22 touchdowns to one interception at this point. The best deep ball thrower in football. And I'm starting to think one of the best deep ball throwers of all time. And it's not just deep 50, 60 yards down the field. This guy has a deep ball. When I say deep ball, it's even that, that middle range of 25 and 30 yards where he can drop it in a bucket like nobody I've ever seen. Even when it's a 10-yard pass to put enough touch on it, and the ball turns over and still this lands exactly where it's supposed to. Played his tail off. There was a moment in the fourth quarter. The Buccaneers lost a starting corner in pregame, had a rookie out there. They played a lot of men. They blitzed a lot. That was their game plan going in. It's hard to adjust that on the fly. And they had Devin White spying Russell Wilson all day, and he blitzed one time and got caught, and Russell Wilson saw it immediately and ran for 25 yards when they went down to miss the field goal to go to overtime. And he's, you just saw a veteran quarterback go, man, that was nice to see. The offensive line of the Buccaneers played one of their best games of the year. Mike Evans, huge day. Godwin was solid. Jameis played really, really good. Uh, Rojo starts this game, has a really solid start to the game. But from a fantasy point of view, you have three running backs with, with touchdowns that, that run it in when, when Ronald Jones could have had a monster day, has a really solid day. But uh, give the Seahawks credit. I mean, nobody picked this game better than Jamie, by the way. Now, your analysis, and you end up losing. Was it the line ended up staying at five and a half? Because you end up losing this game by a half a point, and you could not have picked up. But you were like, this is going to be the ultimate shootout, back and forth, and one of these quarterbacks is going to make plays to win the game. Like, it was, that was your analysis. It was perfect. Yeah, it, it just everything was setting up for it to be that. And uh, look, you, you said at the, on Friday's show, Ronald Jones was figuring to likely be a larger part of this offense in this game, and he was, and could have even been a bigger part for fantasy-wise. A uh, little spoiler, uh, I'm going to have an article up on Sports Illustrated tomorrow with, with like, a waiver wire people. Ronald Jones is going to be on that list. I think it's somebody that people have given up on and needs to be back and owned in every league. And look, with six teams on by going forward, like somebody that you might want to start looking forward to is 
maybe into a flex spot for you. Uh, look, Evans had another monster day. I mean, Evans is going to finish as a top five receiver in fantasy at this rate. I know Jake and I went over that last Wednesday show and thought, you know, maybe he drops down to six or eight. But if he has more performances like this, he's not going to drop out of that top five. Uh, Agumba Wally gets in the end zone. That was my random yeah. like deep sleeper there for that one. There's one carry. Uh, <laughs> but got in the end zone, so that's all that matters. You got to look at the points. Um, on Seattle's side, a couple things of note here. Obviously, Lockett is amazing. Metcalf is starting to put himself into when they play uh, poor pass defenses and every week starter now. A couple names that are worth watching. Uh, Jacob Hollister, I know, is somebody that people talked about before because he was getting a very high volume of snaps, but it just wasn't a huge factor in the passing game yet. Catches two touchdowns here. Again, you're never going to feel comfortable starting a player like him, but keep in mind he is getting a ton of snaps now with Will Disley out. And got to give credit to Chris Carson for a big day against a rushing defense that has been unbelievable. They were the only rushing defense in the NFL averaging fewer than 70 yards per game. Uh, but he fumbled twice and lost another one. Yeah. Like, this is a problem. And I know it's been a few weeks, but and I don't think they're going to bench him, but he's got to figure this out. No, because Rashad Penny no, looks terrible. It's concerning, obviously. But they got to figure this out because he's fumbling way too much. Yeah. And- he got caught from behind and fumbled again. Devin White with one of the best hustle plays I've seen in a long time and just hits the ball so hard out of his hand that it flies out of bounds. And, we, and then the, the Bucks couldn't recover. Yeah, it just Carson getting lucky there that those that two of those went out of bounds um, because obviously it would have been a really tough day for him had had that happened. Uh, but Liz, he looks good running the football. He's just got to hold on to it. Uh, that's that's been a concern uh, towards the beginning of the season, and this game was really tough to watch uh, from that perspective. But he got it done. Gets you enough fantasy points for for the day, and uh, Seattle entertain this. As I said, just such an entertaining football game. Uh, By the way, this this team is not – that defense no. is not good. But you're about to add Josh Gordon, if he can keep his head on straight, to that offense? Uh, I'm, pretty yeah. sure, I'm pretty sure we're looking at Seattle and San Francisco this upcoming week. I think that's the matchup, and yeah. I'm really looking forward to that one. I think this, this division, if you recall, prior to it's the – Monday Night Football. Yeah, prior to the Bruce Arians era when Jim Harbaugh was, was in San Francisco, Pete Carroll and that, and that San Francisco team used to battle, man. And it was fun watching those two teams go up against each other. And San Francisco's been bad the last couple of years, but it looks like we could be headed back that way – uh, where those two teams put just have some of the most epic battles down the stretch uh, that we had in in years past. Really looking forward to that. Seattle's going to be in some shootouts, and I like their chances with Russell Wilson. This is a very interesting matchup of being able to. We talk about San Francisco rush four with six different guys, but you got to yeah. get Russell. The Bucks got him early and had three or four sacks in the first half. Couldn't get there in the second half. They got there, but he gets out of the pocket and makes things happen better than anybody I've ever seen. It's like Fran Tarkington like to go way back. It's a very interesting matchup. I mean, they're going to be in some shootouts because their defense yeah, is not very good. There on, on the Chris Carson, he's a, he has five fumbles this year and lost four. So like it, this is these are significant numbers at this point. So he's got he's got to work that out. Yeah, it's been it's been as I said, it's been pretty tough to watch uh and and very frustrating I'm sure for Pete Carroll, but like Jake said, uh Penny hasn't been good, so they they're forced to continue to run Chris Carson. All right, we talked about this game quite a bit. Uh the Cleveland Browns go on the road to the Denver Broncos and they lose this football game 24 to 19. Uh as I said, very frustrating for Browns fans. This is the low point, right? Cuz we talked about their schedule. We said, "Listen, it's okay." They can weather the storm here. They got a couple of easier games coming up. 
Uh, this was the beginning of that, and they did not get a victory when they needed it. And guess what? They're coming home to play the Bills, and the Bills are no joke. Uh, they're not they're not an easy layup by any means, and this team doesn't look like they can beat anybody right now. Jake, what was your uh, takeaway here? It's just a bad loss for the Browns. I mean, there's nothing when you analyze this game that says the Browns shouldn't go in there and win. Yes, hard place to play, all of that. Playing a backup quarterback on a team that's been terrible all year and they look significantly better than you. Like put two tight ends and just give it to Chubb 40 times, and I think you had a better chance to win than what you're doing now. It's it's just a bad loss for the Browns. I mean, the Broncos did enough. Phillip Lindsay had the touchdown late. Uh, it, ugly game that the Browns like, – it was Jamie's lock of the week, even though he didn't like it, but I, I agreed with him. If you're going to pick one, that was a pretty solid one to pick, and they just laid another yeah, egg. They're, they're bad. They're just a bad football team, and we just have to start evaluating them as such. I mean, this is a game where it's not just a backup quarterback. It's likely the third-string quarterback in Denver uh, that just – I mean, it, yeah. it just, it's bad. And, look, it, it, Nick Chubb was fine, whatever. He had an okay game for, for Nick Chubb. You know, Landry's been the more consistent fantasy player so far. But I just everything about this Browns team, I just want no part of. Like no. I, I just want no part of. Like I, I'm, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to keep ranking Odell Beckham in the top twenty. Like I just, I just, I just keep waiting because there are matchups they, they should that lesser talented teams take advantage of that the Browns don't. Yeah. And, and my, like my analysis was like that defense should have done enough that the offense didn't have to do a ton, and they, they still can't. They, they should be so much well, better than they are. And they're just – they're not getting – they're not any good either. one play that epitomizes the lack of effort the Browns and lack of desire the Browns have shown so far. It's the Noah fan touchdown catch. Yeah. Oh, my. Where you just – it looked like nobody decided they didn't want to tackle him. Like half the defense made a business decision and just let him walk into the end zone after bouncing off of him. I mean, there were three guys who had both hands on him and missed tackles. Three. I watched it. I rewatched the play because I was like, there's no way that just happened, right? Because you're you're looking at this team and you're like, they have to – this has to be the win that they rally around. And that's why the locker room, when we talked about Freddie at the top, it's, I think it's just – it's past that point, right? I don't think they're coming back from this. Uh, it just it's, – it's doomsday in Cleveland. Uh, and and as, much as, as much publicity as they gave themselves coming into the season, those sports, they wanted to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated and do the GQ interviews and the commercials and all that stuff. This is what happens. When you lose, God, can't imagine it's been fun. When you lose and you lose ugly yeah. and bad and you continually do it. Like it's one thing to like, okay, you got to put up decent performances and you run into a buzzsaw of a team that's hot. No, that's not the case. Not. They, they are a bad football team with a lot of talent that yeah, make no Colin sense Cowherd at all. Colin Cowherd is thoroughly enjoying watching this as the battle sure. between Colin Cowherd and Baker Mayfield has continued, and it looks like there's, there's yeah, no battle anymore. That, 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 that yeah, one is Baker's over just with. just got to keep his mouth shut couple, at this point. A couple Broncos notes. Uh, good to see Cortland Sutton have a good game here, yeah. especially with the a, with a backup quarterback in 5 for 56 and a touchdown. Uh, Lindsay has a good game here. He had a, that 40 yard run he had where it just looked like he just exploded. Like it was like a bottle rocket just like shoots up the middle of the field for 40 yards there. Uh, I wouldn't worry about some of the, uh, the poor numbers once they get a, a more established quarterback in there. They didn't run that many plays. I mean, they had 20 pass attempts and I believe 20 rushing attempts. And that was it yeah. for the total. So like they didn't run that many plays in this game. So that's partly why a lot of those offensive numbers are down. When, when the QB situation is resolved, well, I guess it resolved at some point here. Uh, we'll do lock. Yeah, it'll be interesting with them winning that game if Locke plays in a couple weeks because they're going to a yeah, bye in week 10. We'll yeah, well, it's something we'll definitely pay attention to. All right, as I said, the NFC North took an L across the board, and this was probably the the weirdest one, right? The Green Bay Packers go into L.A. to play the Chargers. 
The Chargers have started to get a little healthier, right? Uh, that pass rush looks a little better now that both guys are in there. They talked about a lot, a lot about that during the during the broadcast. But that first half was wow. It was like the Bears ugly, like we talked about. That Aaron Rodgers, that team, they could not get anything going. They lose this game, twenty six to eleven. Uh, and, and it was, it was just ugly. It was a bad, the Green Bay Packers looked like they were not ready to play this football game. Like they kind of overlooked this team. And, uh, although there were a lot of Packers fans in attendance for this one, they did not get a very good show. Jake, what was your takeaway here? You know, there's a lot of games this week. I had a buddy call me say, Hey, I'm, I'm doing my, uh, my picks. I got one pick them for the week. I was like, against the spread. No, just pick them. I was like, all right, take Buffalo. Because the rest of these, I don't like. Every other game that he mentioned to me, I was like, that team can beat the other team. This was one of those. Phillip, Phillip Rivers had 212 yards passing at halftime, which was 203 more than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> uh, this was a domination. Now, I said when Ken Wisenhunt got fired, you, a lot of times you'll get like an uptick for a week or two. I don't know that they look that different on offense, other than Melvin Gordon seemed to be, be more of the feature back, got in the end zone twice. I think he had uh, like 20 for 80, whatever it ended up being. They played really well. They got, they got like Paige said, you get, when you have Ingram and Bosa, it's just, they're just good. They rushed the passer. Their game plan was good all the way around. The Packers' game plan was not. And this was a dominating performance by what should be a really good team. It's interesting to note, we just talked about the Browns and how talented they are, but they continue to look worse than that. The Chargers bounced back with a big-time performance against a team that was as hot as anybody in the Packers and just dust yeah, them. It was an impressive – this is an impressive yeah. win for the, the Chargers. And listen, it's with the AFC the way that it is, they're at four and five, but nothing is out of reach, right? I mean, they, they get hot here. They get healthy. All of a sudden, you're starting to look at this team and go, okay, can you win nine games, make the playoffs? Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, the AFC is not out of reach for anybody as there's a lot of bad football teams in that division. Jamie, your takeaways. I know my takeaway was I was happy to see Hunter Henry continue to get the ball quite a bit. Yeah, Hunter Henry, 7 for 84, had a big game. Mike Williams gets over the 100-yard mark, 3 for 111. Uh, You were hoping for a bigger game from Keenan Allen, only 3 for 40 here. I mean, Rivers doesn't throw for a touchdown, so all the numbers were down a little bit fantasy-wise. Gordon, again, being the feature back, 20 for 80 and two touchdowns. I mean, Eckler still almost six yards a carry on his 12 carries. So, I mean, both these guys are still going to be factors going forward. On the Green Bay side, it was good to see Devontae Adams out there. He finishes with seven for 41, nothing to write home about, but he's still hurt. And he's going to be dealing with this injury probably the rest of the year, but definitely in the, in the short term here. So, But it was good to see him back out there on the field. Uh, I will continue to, to pound my fist on the table that Jamal Williams is a low-end RB2 flex play every single week going forward, and you can play both backs with confidence. He had a better game than Aaron Jones, who obviously struggled like the entire rest of the Packers offense did. Um, I'm not super interested in Alan Lazard, but if you're in like a mega, mega deep league, uh, he led uh, – I don't believe he's going to lead the snap count in this game, but I know the last two games he led all pass catchers uh, for the Packers in snaps. So just someone to keep an eye on that he's on the field a ton. Uh, MVS is invisible nowadays, and so pretty much is Geronimo Allison, who took a huge hit but only had two catches. Just to, just write this one off for the Packers offense. Uh, I hope they bounce back because this was a really, really just bad performance here. Yeah, it was a bad performance all around. Uh, just looked like they did not did not come prepared for that football game at all. Uh, Give a shout out to Anthony Lynn too. I mean, look, it's not easy to fire a guy in the season and, and a very well respected offensive coordinator in Ken Wasenhunt, who's had a nice career calling plays and been there for a while doing it. To make that decision in in season 
to take it on the chin like they've done and to rally his team to have that good of a game plan, I mean, you got to give him credit. Their that team was ready to play, and they look like they could make a little bit of a run if they can continue to play like uh, that. Okay, we're gonna talk. Sunday night football was fun, right? It was fun if you. It was fun for the. It was fun for the entire country, not in Boston. Uh, the rest of us were highly entertained by what happened. The biggest part of this, I tweeted this, and I'm not exaggerating. There was a graphic that they put up during the game, right? Because Jake tweeted this out, whether or not the Patriots defense is that good or the or who they've played is not very good. I will t- I will find that graphic and I will tweet it out. This is the list of the of of teams that they have played. Now, mind you, they played some backups here, okay? They played the Steelers in week one, Ben Roethlisberger. That was the only game. That was the only legitimate quarterback that they played. They played Josh Rosen in the Dolphins in week two. I believe it was Nick Mullen in the New York Jets in week three. They played Josh Allen in week four, and he was injured in that game. They played Case Keenum in the Redskins in week five. They played um, Daniel Jones in the Giants in week six. They played Sam Darnold and the Jets in week seven, and they played Baker Mayfield and the Browns in week eight. What does that equate to? Not a lot of good offense. They have played absolutely nobody. And I know that during the broadcast they brought up, sometimes everybody thinks of the Patriots, and I think it was Al Michaels that said, you know, sometimes you think of them like a supermodel and you're just like trying to to pick things apart from them. But I don't think that's what's happening. I think they haven't been tested at all. Their schedule is not has not been at all challenging. And this game, the Ravens get it done. They win handedly 37 to 20. And we talked about it. Listen, like this defense, this Baltimore defense is not anywhere near the caliber of what it's been in, in past years. But they made Tom Brady uncomfortable a number of times during this game. And Lamar Jackson, man, he is fun to watch. Jake, did you have a chance to watch the entirety of this game, and what was your takeaway? I did. I wish I had the balls to go with my gut and say that the Ravens were going to come up and step on them. I just – my head got in the way and said, no, Belichick takes away all those things. And while I don't think this is the greatest defense or even in the top ten of all time, they're still really damn good, and they're the best defense they've had since the early 2000s. They got hit in the mouth and didn't know what to do. Hell of a game plan from the Ravens. And I love John Harbaugh going out there and saying, we are who we are. We're going to put it on the field. I love this post-game press conference. We're moving on to the next one. This was a big win, but it's just one. I, I, that team is ready to play. The Patriots' deficiency showed up because they, they played a solid opponent. Their left tackle's bad. Tom Brady was solid in this game. Uh, Muhammad Sanu was really fun to watch in this offense. I think he's going to be a monster piece of this thing moving forward. Um, and they have enough pieces on offense that they're going to be able to hang in there and get it done. But this offense is not going to be great and monsterly explosive if this defense is not going to play average. And they got blown out. Like it's seventeen nothing, and Cyrus Jones fumbles that punt, and you're like, "This is how the this is how you can't play against the Patriots." And then Ingram fumbles on like the twenty, and they, it's seventeen fourteen or seventeen ten. I guess they kick the field goal. You're like, you're just letting them back in it. Other than that. The Ravens blew them out, hit them in the mouth, and the Patriots had nothing, zero response. They had nothing they could yeah, do about it's it. something we've now started to see a multi-week trend of. Teams running extremely effectively against this Patriots team. I said that, I said that when the Browns played them. You can run on this team. You just don't throw on it, and they're, everybody's down, so they can't stick with the run. So then they get all these these interceptions, these turnovers. But, yeah, you did. can run I mean, on them. I mean, Lamar Jackson ran. Mark Ingram ran really well in this yes, game. Even Gus Edwards at times looked, looked really well. He had, He got in the end zone. Uh, look, it's we, we've 
we've never been under the illusion on this podcast. Like it seems like other people were that the Patriots were going to go sixteen and zero or whatever stupid no. thing like that. Like they were not that good of a, they're no. not that good of a team. They're not an undefeated type caliber team. I said last week, don't be surprised if the Browns can beat them. That's the first team on paper that could. Of course, they didn't. But their next three or four are not easy either. Yeah, they're going to lose some games. They're still going to win that division. Like They're going to win it. They're going to get a bye. And they're probably still going to be the number one seed. I still think everything is going yeah. through Foxborough. They have to fix some of their offensive issues. They have to be able to run the ball more effectively. Sony Michelle got four carries in this game. Uh, like, they, have to figure out, they have to figure out something. They have to figure out some balance on this offense. Uh, it was good to see Sanu have the big game because they needed somebody other than Edelman to do it. But they, this team needs to find their way on offense because their defense is, and their defensive scoring has covered a lot of problems for them. You know, when the Jets are scoring no points, when teams are scoring seven points, your defense is scoring 14, it's a lot easier to win these games. This offense is going to, at some point, need to be able to keep up with the Baltimores, with the healthy Kansas Cities of the world. Like, you're going to have to keep up with them. And if your defense blinks, right now, I don't have a ton of confidence that that offense can compensate for them. No, and we've talked about, I think that statistic, it was going into that Browns game that they would be 3-3-1 three, three, and one, or they would be 4-3 and yeah. three if, their def- if their offense hadn't even shown up, right? They didn't even need their offense yeah. to come and score points. And that's the point here is that they have not played competent opponents. They're, they play in a division where the Jets are significantly worse than we all expected them to be. They played them early on in the season, even without Sam Darnold, right? They played Miami. They get to play a Miami team twice. Like, this division is... The one game you can go point to is the Bills game. game. No, they shouldn't have. The Bills are solid, but they're not great. And the Patriots really struggled to win that game. I mean, they, they got a lucky play late to kind of win it. That's the one game you could go back and point to and go, that's the only team they've played that's competent. And that, none of us oh, think the Bills and are great. That's, the, that's kind of the point there is it, that that offense by no stretch of the imagination is competent in Buffalo, right, or above average. That's just an uh, – it is a average at best offense. And if Josh Allen doesn't get knocked out of that game, I'm fully convinced they lose that one. They were driving. They were on the move. And that – that team, uh, specifically Tom Brady and that offense, looked atrocious in that Buffalo mm-hmm. game. They did not look good. And it'll be something to monitor as we as we move forward. We're never going to count the Patriots out because, you know, they're the Patriots. And they're still going to. No, I will, I will say I love the adjustment that they made. They went no huddle and they were averaging 22 seconds a snap. I think Baltimore was averaging 32 seconds between snaps. And they, they, they made some things happen. That Baltimore defense got tired. James White was in the game for that, that whole drive when I think they did it twice. I liked when they did that. Uh, depending on, like, they're going to activate Nikhil Harry and not Devlin. That'll be interesting. Um, but I liked when they did that. So that's like one of those things where you're like, okay, they still do have Tom Brady and they still can make an adjustment like that. They can totally change the game. So I, I love that adjustment that they did. There's something to keep an eye out, what, move, watching yeah, them moving course, forward. They're, they're still the Patriots and they're more than likely will have home field advantage. And, you know, that's going to be a, a, a really tough task for this team, uh, specifically if we're talking about Baltimore later on in the season that might have I think there's five teams in the NFC that could beat them, though. So it's it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I was jokingly saying it yesterday with Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network. Like, can I trade the Bears to the AFC to to, to move? And I'm going to put the Patriots, and they're going to have to to match up against the Vikings twice, the Lions twice, and the Packers twice a year. And let's see how good that team looks because I I really would like – just a semblance of, of averages to, to be ruled out or 
And as bad as the Bears are playing, they're probably the second best team in that that's division exactly and behind right. the Bills. I mean, that's kind of the point. I was like, well, I, I got a good trade to, to offer you up here uh, that would that I'm sure everyone in Boston would really, really hate, uh, specifically because that Rodgers-Brady conversation is always very interesting, uh, especially if they had played in the same division for a long time. All right, guys, we are going to preview Monday Night Football. It's our last thing here. The Cowboys going on the road to play the New York Giants. The Cowboys are a seven-point favorite. Uh, my, my hesitation here is to let everybody know that every single home team won a football game this week. Okay. So I know this is a big spread. Um, and I know that, uh, the giants are not a very good football team, but just word for the wise, I was having a conversation this morning with some of the guys I work out with, and they were talking about some of the bets they're going to put in. And they were talking about this Cowboys team covering that seven point spread. And I said, just so you know, this is a trend. I'm not saying it's going to continue tonight. I just... I feel like I have to forewarn the crowd, just so you all know. That all being said, I assume the Cowboys will get a victory tonight. Jake, what do you see happening? I'm going to win both of my my big fantasy leagues this week, but I'm playing the Cowboys defense in one, and it was really kind of a flyer. And I'm very interested to see what happens. I picked it 34-27 Cowboys, so I'm right on the line. I'm going to lean on the Cowboys covering because Daniel Jones has played well, but he's had some turnovers in the last couple weeks. Cowboys defense should be healthier than they've been. I think Zeke has a big night. I think Dak has a, a solid night. When Gallup is on the other side of Amari Cooper, it looks like Cobb's going to play. Like They're going to have their full complement. So it's going to be interesting to see if a really good team can go on the road in the division and beat a very much lesser team. I don't have a lot of confidence that's going to happen. So I picked it right on the line. I'm going to lean towards the Cowboys to cover. If I got to go one way or the other, uh, I think Saquon's going to have a solid night because he always does, and I think they're going to be down. But I, I think the Cowboys are going to turn Daniel Jones over a couple times. Yeah, that I'm agree with you. Like I'm, I'm going to lean Cowboys to cover. I don't feel great about it. I feel like this game is going to go one of two ways. The Cowboys are going to win this by 17, or they're going to win this by three. Uh, and I don't know. It's I don't think it's going to be anything in between that. Uh, but yeah, they're full complement of weapons. The Giant uh, – look, Daniel Jones is, is bright future but still turns the ball over and, and should give at least a couple to the Dallas defense there. Um, Sterling Shepard's not going to play in this game and may not play the rest of the season. We'll have to see what, what's going on there with his, with his concussion. I just don't think the Giants have enough weapons to keep up with them, with the Dallas Cowboys. And the Dallas Cowboys need this game desperately too. So there should not be any motivation issues or overlooking issues or anything of that nature. Uh, I'm going to pick the Cowboys in this one. Listen, this Cowboys team already went up to the Meadowlands once and took an L. Took one on the chin to the New York Jets earlier this season. So hopefully you would assume that they got that out of their system. And in this one, in the division, two teams that absolutely hate each other, right? This is a, a vitriol battle between these two fan bases. It will be loud. It will be intense. And I assume that the Cowboys will take care of business. But uh, I, I don't feel confident about this game. Something about that home thing that happened all week long and just a lot of weird like the Green Bay game, and just a lot of weird stuff happened this weekend. I, I just don't feel very confident uh, that that is going. There was a lot of teams that you could see the other team winning, right? Like you could see the Bears beating the Eagles. You could have seen the Chargers stepping up and beating the Packers. I mean, there was some, you're like, okay. But this one's like, okay, the Cowboys are finally healthy. They just dusted the Eagles. The Eagles just won. They're getting healthy. They know they got to stay ahead of them. This is one like, okay, that the superior team needs to show up here, but it hasn't happened all week. This isn't quite the same feeling, to your point, that the Giants could do that, 
Although I still feel a little bit of it that they can keep it close. So it's like, yeah, there is definitely a trend of the home teams uh, playing really fans, well. You week. better hope that they, uh, that you don't lose this game. Cause I will be an extra level of obnoxious on Wednesday. Show oh, God. oh God. No, if you, if you, you take a healthy team up there when you're supposed to be a Super Bowl contender oh. and lose to, to this team after I'm, losing to the I'm Jets have up there. Stephen A. Woo. Smith notifications locked in. That happens. Good <laughs> Lord. I'm, I'm going to have to block ESPN <laughs> for the week. Be, it will be highly entertaining if that happens, but I don't see it happening. Uh, Jake, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? The worst week I've had in seven years of picking games. I've only had one game, one week. I believe one or two weeks in seven years that I was under 500. I am four and seven going into tonight. Horrendously bad week and a big shocker when we just said my party thoughts the other day were, man, we're starting to really figure out who some of these teams are. No, you got to love the NFL because nobody has a damn clue week to week on what's going to happen. Look, my, my biggest takeaway is that, that just that, like every time we think, and I, and I should know better when we said on the show, every time we think we have a, a, a better grasp, uh, you get these kind of weird weeks that come out of nowhere. And, and look, the, the, this was a week where there were a lot of games that they were reasonably close. Like when you, we talked about like Colts Steelers, we could see that going either way. Or Lions Raiders, we could see that going either way. Bucks Seahawks, you know, we talked about a lot of this stuff. Uh, but it just, I don't know. It, it went to the point of the year where there are certain teams where we just have to stop giving them credit for what they are on paper and and what they have. Been. Great point. Uh, I know Cleveland, we've talked about that a lot, but there are, there are a few teams that would just have to say, you know what, or even Oakland, for example, of teams that are maybe a little better or a little worse than we thought. And just say, you know what, we have to completely throw out anything we saw in 2018. We have way more than enough sample size now to say what you did for us last year does not matter anymore. Yeah. The Chicago bears being one of those football teams. I cannot buy into what I saw last year. God, it doesn't mean this team can't get it together and win football games. It's just what I've seen this year has not been a shell of what we saw last season. That's my parting thought on today's podcast. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.